0: The September cabinet meeting. Um, Item one: apologies for absence. Um, And I believe we have uh, two two speakers for item 11. Um, Did you want to listen to the whole cabinet meeting, or would you like me to bring it forward? Because there is quite a lot to get through. Why don't we bring it forward? Why don't we bring it forward? Um, okay, we'll take it after uh, the formalities of the meeting, so before item eight, okay? Uh, so, apologies for absence. Uh, we know that Councillor Wells is on leave. Um, I, is that the only apology we have? Yep, okay. Declarations of interest?
1: Could I declare an interest, Chairman, as a County Councillor, in respect of um, a couple of items on this agenda, namely the Great Dumbo Neighbourhood Plan and the Air Quality Action Plan? Thank you.
0: Good. Thank you. Uh, minutes of the previous meeting, do you feel that that's a true record? Indeed, yes. Thank you very much. Um, matters arising from uh, that, uh, those minutes uh, CA 18 to 20.
2: Councillor Dean. It comes up under CA 19 and it comes up under CA 21. I mean, since the um, uh, announcement at the last cabinet meeting that for the time being the council wouldn't be, um, will be reviewing its position on the partnership on building control, I have heard, and I'm really asking for confirmation, that the actual Essex Building Control Partnership is not going ahead in any form. Does anybody know whether that is correct? I don't know the answer to that
0: question. So I, I don't know whether Mr. Webb or the Chief Executive.
1: So I can confirm informally that that is likely to be the outcome of discussions between the remaining authorities, but no
3: official decision has been made by those authorities as far as I'm aware.
2: Thank you.
0: Is that your, sorry that was your, that was the only point. Okay. Um, CA 21, let's just take 21 because there's quite a few pages of that. No. CA 22 and 23. No. CA 24 and 25.
1: Just on CA24, <laughs> Chairman, can I thank uh, Councillor Howell for his helpful letter in the newspapers a couple of weeks ago. Um, somebody had written to the newspapers and they evidently didn't understand council tax support um, and, and seemed to think we were being very ungenerous towards individual residents, whereas actually I would restate that as we only require some residents to pay 12.5% of their council tax, um, we are actually still the most generous scheme in Essex. Thank you.
0: CA 25, 26, 27.
1: Um, Sorry, Chairman, CA 26. um, I have actually been contacted by a resident of Newton Grove um, who has asked me to approach the cabinet member. They are concerned not about the development itself, but about the removal of parking that is currently used by the flats at Newton Grove. And I'm, I'm, I will be dropping an email, but as it's here, I just thought I'd, I'd mention it now, that they had concerns that this area is used by the flat residents and was there any, any possibility of creating some more parking spaces for them?
4: Um, That's I, can, a red pen. Yeah, I can give you a sort of answer, but not a full answer at this moment. But my understanding is is that there are that there's been some developments with this particular site and it may be that we will be able to um, provide parking for them and um, some alterations to our plans, but obviously that that has to go through the various committees, but yes, you can give them some assurance that we are mindful of that.
2: Good. Uh,
0: So CA 27, I don't think we've done that, and then 28, which was... substantive item, no? CA 29 and 30 and then CA 31 Okay, those uh, (coughs) if there are no other matters arising Um, thank you for that Um, Item 4, questions or statements from non-executive members of the council I don't think we have any Item 5, matters referred to the executive. Standing item. I don't think we have any. Uh, reports, item 6, reports from performance and audit and scrutiny committees. Uh, we don't have performance and audit here tonight. Is there anything from scrutiny?
2: Yes, Chairman. There are four points I'd like to raise. The first one um, came up at our recent, the scrutiny recent meeting on the forward plan, the cabinet's forward plan. Um, it shows on page 19 of that or at least page 19 of the committee's papers um, devolution update meeting council 18th of October now we had quite a bit of discussion about that topic Um, we were told that there would be a report to the council meeting on the 18th of October, but today I've just had a notice to say that that meeting has been cancelled through, like a business. So I'd like that to be addressed. But in particular, the, the members were concerned about or wanting wanting to become engaged with the with the process. They were concerned that, for instance, there were mixed messages coming out of central governments, particularly since the. Um, change of Prime Minister and and of course the departure of um, George Osborne who I think was one of the um, promoters of devolution Um, and and, the committee was also aware that there were disagreements over elected mayors and I'm I'm certainly aware that there have been discussions within Essex where there is a divided opinion Um, so members were insistent uh, or demanding or requiring that the matter should come to full full council, they didn't particularly as members of the scrutiny committee. They didn't want to be landed with a, a proposal and, and given short notice on something that were something to or whenever it uh, were to proceed. They didn't. They wanted to be involved in the process early on, and, and if possible, to influence it. So, really, could I um, ask that? a formal internal debate does begin and, and I repeat the point that we were told that it was likely to come to the council meeting on the 18th of October but if there isn't going to be a council meeting on the 18th of October that's going to be difficult so if, if perhaps I could take that one first rather than going through the other items
0: No, wait, 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 you, that's the first, do, do
2: the other three points and we'll cover them all Fine, we 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 received a report on enforcement. The task group has been working over the last two or three months on reviewing the enforcement process. They have come up with five recommendations in total. I am not going to go through them tonight, uh, four of which which are being referred to the Cabinet in due course. I believe or I expect that there will be a report to Cabinet on that in due course, so therefore I think we might as well leave it till then. But just to give you advanced notice of that, um, the I know we'll come to this later, but the Cabinet, oh, sorry, the Scrutiny Committee was fully supportive of the Equalities Report that is on your agenda tonight, <clears throat> and there was a brief discussion about the topic of um, car park incentives which also comes up on the forward plan and as that item is on the agenda I will leave anything until we get to that agenda item. Thank you.
0: Okay, so um, the first point devolution um, and the um, cancelled council meeting, as you know um, in a sense it is not cancelled that meeting, it's postponed to November the 8th when the Council will be uh, making its recommendation to the consultation detail for the local plan. Um, uh, Council is fairly up to date in terms with the progress that had gone on hitherto um, in terms of the work streams and the dialogue with Government. But at at the last meeting of the devolution group of um, Essex leaders and chief executives, and this is going back uh, several months uh, now, it decided on a majority of eight to seven that it would not proceed uh, with um, any system that involved a directly directly elected mayor. But the next decision was unanimous that we should continue... um, dialoguing with government on the potential uh, to, uh, for a devolution solution. So, directly elected mayors, is a stumbling block principle, still fine. Um, and since that meeting, as you rightly say, there's been a change of Prime Minister. Um, Differing messages coming out of government that we've taken advice on, and the latest advice that we have is that the government isn't particularly changing its position on directly elected mayors. It may over time, but it hasn't yet. So, uh, to that end, there's not an awful lot of point in carrying on with devolution work in Essex if um, that's the latest piece of information. However. Some of the streams, and I refer particularly to the skills agenda. Uh, we should be looking at uh, what are the opportunities for devolution around that, and whether we could have a sort of part devolution model um, in terms of taking on more of the uh, responsibility for the skills agenda. I think uh, you'll have re- you'll remember me talking about the, the the mismatch between the qualification that many of our young people are coming out from further education. And in terms of what uh, employers um, uh, particularly require and that's particularly true actually in Uttlesford where the biggest employer are looking for engineers aeronautical engineers in particular people who are are pretty skilled in the service industries and they're just not available so uh, we will have a look at some work there but to be honest with you um, unless the money flows down from government um, uh, then the devolution model isn't really terribly attractive uh, because uh, you're not really taking on the responsibility, so that would need to be a dialogue. But I can, I'll can, certainly commit uh, in the minutes to doing a briefing paper for council, but... Um, it, it, Absolutely. Council would not be asked to make a shock a shock decision, so we're not going to suddenly bring to a council meeting uh, are you in favour or not. Um, I've, we've kept council advised uh, up until this point and, and would certainly do that if indeed there was something to talk about. So uh, rest assured on that. Um, we, we would want councillors, just like the local plan, to be absolutely f- fully advised of the pros, cons and otherwise of any devolution deal. But I hope that summarises that. Uh, enforcement, uh, interested in uh, scrutiny's comments, obviously, and if that's coming to a future Cabinet meeting, uh, we'll await that. Equalities, as you say, is on the agenda. So I
2: think those are your main points. Yes, just briefly then to come back. I mean, I look forward to the the paper that you've just committed to writing, Chairman. It'll pretty and much say what i just said, basically. And, 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 and it may well be that that could be on the agenda for a scrutiny meeting we'll find out whether members you know have any thoughts about it because i think it, i think a lot of it is about getting providing the first opportunity because we haven't had one to have a proper discussion or, or to begin a discussion yeah, about I it yeah i mean in, scrutiny in, agenda in, in, in is up is, is, is the scrutiny committee but i would have
0: thought it was a pretty nugatory activity until you got something to scrutinize to be honest with you but um you can have a discussion
2: about it, uh, but I don't think that will take you very far personally. Well, we might come up with opinions. We shall see. Okay. Thank you.
0: Right. Um, item 7, Refugee Working Group.
4: Thank you, Chairman. I have actually got something to report this time. Um, I'm really pleased to advise that we are now ready to accept our first um, family and we are expecting them imminently. Um, whilst it would not be appropriate to say where where they are going to be housed, um, our team here have been working really hard to make sure we have all the support needed in place um, and that has included working with our partners such as the police, education, health and the voluntary sector. And um, they've um, also produced a a welcome pack which should give much needed information. This This is the one for this particular family, blanked out where they're going, but it does contain an awful lot of really, really Useful information emergency services, how to pay a bill, where they are, what train stations, everything like that so that 's a really good piece of work um, and as I say, we are expecting them um, imminently. Um, this is the first family for us here, and we are not expecting any other families to be arriving in Essex um, until the new year, so we don't will obviously update um, update you all. Um, as we move forward, but that's, what we've, that's what's happening at the moment. Um, and in addition to this, Essex County Council are ex, um, exploring with authorities how to respond to the uh, National Transfer Scheme, which is for the distribution of the unaccompanied children seeking asylum. But we have no information on that at this time, and obviously we'll keep you updated on, um, on anything we hear as it goes along. But uh, So I am quite pleased to be able to announce we have got a family.
0: Yeah, I'm actually delighted with that news, I think that's uh, very positive for Uttlesford. Um, I, I, the experience in Colchester was that um, it, it, it's not confidential, this is a public meeting, it's been broadcast live, but we certainly won't be saying anything in the press about who or what or where uh, or when. Um, so I think it, the right thing is to allow this family to settle in and maybe over time we might say something. So I would encourage um, members and certainly Uttlesford won't be making any statement, public statement on that. Councillor Barker.
1: Just briefly, um, Councillor Redfern touched on unaccompanied asylum-seeking children and I'm aware that Essex at this moment has around 100 but I think the, the push is being made more by Kent who have around 800 at any point in time and it was quite a, a strain on their services to um, be looking after all those additional children in care.
0: Thank you for that. That's, I'm sorry, Councillor Howell.
5: Um, thank you, uh, Leader. I, I certainly welcome the announcement, and I endorse your comments about um, ensuring that we keep confidential the who, what, where, etc. I wonder if we could perhaps have a word with the local press to ensure that they respect that confidentiality as well. Um, Can I ask an obvious question? The the information booklet that you referred to, is, I'm sure very helpful. It it is in Arabic, I presume, isn't it?
4: Actually, I'm really sorry. I did have that in my notes, but it is is produced in both languages. Sorry.
0: Thank you. Okay, Uh, we'll now move on to item 11, Um, and uh, I'll call to the table uh, in whichever order they would like to come uh, Mr and Mrs Wells, presumably not together but um, if you just press the button so the red light comes on then you'll be live
6: Good evening and thank you for allowing me to speak tonight I'm a member of society I like to think that I'm socially responsible. I'm also a member of the local community. I live in Saffron Walden. Where I live, I cannot physically accommodate a private garage. And I have no space for private parking. But I do have a car. And that creates a problem. Where does it go? I could park it permanently on the narrow street outside my house. Where there are some residence parking spaces but these are in high demand by my neighbours and demand always exceeds supply. There are never enough parking spaces to go around. I therefore rent a council garage. This costs me. It costs me £600 a year, but it gives me the benefit of parking under cover and some useful storage space. I wouldn't do it otherwise. But getting my car off the road benefits the local community too. My neighbours no longer have to compete with me for the available parking spaces. I believe that my actions and the availability of council garages therefore further the social well-being of my local community. Council garages are available to any members of the local community who want to rent one. Like me, they don't have to be council tenants They are used by the local community and can obviously continue to be used by the local community. And it's clearly in the social interests of the local community to have them for all the advantages that they bring. They're also in the interests of every Uttlesford resident. A Freedom of Information request in May 2016 showed that the council garages in Saffron Walden alone made a surplus of over £100,000 for the Council. In circumstances, I think it is clear that they are not only assets of community value, but assets of considerable community value. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you very much. We will hear from Mr Wells, and then um, the item is being introduced by Councillor Barker, but I think uh, Councillor Redfern will also become commenting and maybe you will be commenting first Councillor Redfern.
7: Yes, good evening everyone and thanks for letting me speak. I am going to talk about the law on community assets or assets of community value. The law on assets of community value is absolutely unequivocal. If assets that have been nominated are of community value section 90 of the Localism Act says they must be listed as assets of community value. The law is also clear that no degree of such value is required. It doesn't say for example that they have to be of great community value or substantially or even significantly so. If they have even the slightest amount of community value that makes them of community value according to the law and they have to be listed. You do not therefore have to decide tonight how valuable the assets are. Just whether they have even the slightest community value. And that makes it easier because it's a factual consideration, not a political one or even a balancing act. To be of community value, as if that expression were not clear enough, the Act explains that the assets are of community value if they further the social well being or social interests of the local community. The word social there is not defined in the act in any particular or peculiar way. It therefore simply has its normal, ordinary, dictionary meaning of relating to society or its organisation, as it does in expressions such as social housing and social security. As there, it does not imply leisure or even interaction, which is where the officer's report appears to go wrong. That would be sociable which is a word that the Act doesn't use. All that is necessary, therefore, is that the garages further the well-being or interests of society, which the law says in this context is the local community. The nomination forms, the submission included with your agenda, and Mrs Wells' presentation, which you've just heard, set out the value of council garages to the local community and how they further its well-being and interests. Their benefits to society i.e. their social benefits, are clear. The garages are community assets. They're a useful amenity. They're used by the community, they benefit the community, they reduce on-street parking, and they even raise money for us all. As with all amenities provided for use by members of the community, they further the social well-being and social interests of that community. They're accordingly assets of community value and have to be listed according to law. You can in fact only legally refuse to list them if you can say, hand on heart, that they do not further in the slightest the well-being or interests of local society, and thus that they have no community value whatsoever. In view of the facts, I submit you can't honestly do that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, so, I
0: think I'll start off by asking our legal officer, Mr. Pugh, for a
8: comment, if you would. Sorry, I've not used this, but Yes, just press it. Okay. Um, well, uh, you need to be satisfied in order to list that the garages are themselves an asset of community value, and what you need to do is to decide whether there is a community value to this. It's not enough that individuals can rent garages and that's good for them individually, Um, and then you kind of collect that together there needs to be some way in which there is a community benefit to this. Of course this started with things like uh, the local pub, the local shop and clearly things like um, leisure facilities uh, fall within this category Um, I mean I'm aware of cases where car parks have been listed but that tends to be where they're ancillary to some other clear community use Um, so it's a matter of, of fact for you to decide whether you regard the garages as being an asset which is of value to the community. And I think you can take the words, you know, with their ordinary meaning. Thank you. you. Councillor Redfern.
4: Thank you, Chairman. Um, um, I've I've got a few words I would like to say, but one of the things I would like to point out in um, what Mrs Wells said was um, about the rent collected on these garages and that being of benefit to the entire community of Uttersford. That's actually not correct. These garages are part of the housing revenue account and that money is completely separate to our general fund, as you all know, and um, is used to fund our own council housing and the things that that we do around that. So I'd just like to correct that point. Um, All of these garages here are listed, are within the housing revenue account and as you all are aware as members we have been looking at all our assets across the whole of Uttlesford um, with a view to how we can best um, use these assets and I appreciate that the loss of garages may be inconvenient to some residents but we so far have housed families in Leaden Roading, Stansted and Saffron Walden on homes built on former garages or parking areas this asset of community value request relates to garages in Saffron Walden and at this time we have no plans to look at any other garage sites in, in Saffron Walden and I would point out that on the sites that, that we are developing or have developed in Saffron Walden which is um, Catons Lane and Sheds Lane um, everybody that um, was renting one of those garages was, con- was contacted and those that responded to us have all been offered alternative garages have all been offered alternative garages, and um, we still have um, garages that are void. So, um, but, but as I say, we're not <coughs> looking, we've, we've done some in Saffron Warden, it's not our intention to do any more at this time. But as far as I am concerned, it's much more important to house those um, people that are on our council waiting list for homes than it is to house someone's car or store their belongings. I really don't think that's what. Um, what we should be doing.
0: Councillor Barker.
1: Thank you Chairman and thank you Mr and Mrs Wells for your comments this evening and for your submission. Um, Chairman, we are here and we act on the advice of our officers. Um, we have been asked to consider listing a number of sites in Saffron Walden as assets of community value. In order for the asset to be listed it needs to meet strict criteria. Which either that the current use furthers the social well-being or interests of the local community, and it is realistic to think that at some time in the next five years the asset will further the social well-being or social interests of the community, or that there was a time in the recent past when a building or land had furthered the social well-being or interests of the community, and it is realistic to think that in the next five years the building or land could further the social well-being or interests of the community. Officers here at the council have assessed the application and find that the sites are not currently in community use and have not been so for the last five years. It is also not realistic to think that the garage sites in the next five years will further the social wellbeing or social interests of the community. For this reason, the recommendation is that the sites should not be added to the list of assets of community value, but to the list of unsuccessful nominations.
0: Thank you. Does anybody wish to comment on that? Councillor Howell.
5: Well, I certainly think it it warrants some debate and some uh, careful consideration. I'd like to thank Mr. and Mrs. Wells for their thoughtful presentation. Um, I've always thought that the the programme of nominating assets of community value was something a a really good initiative. And I've been to three public meetings in the the villages that I represent, and the list and the debate has been long and involved, and we've put forward public houses, community centre playing fields, um, open spaces and they have been things that the community have had genuine and collective benefit from and and at a time when two of our pubs have been closed and closed for a long period and, and case of one of those pubs there was a question mark over it whether it ever would return as a pub the fact that it had been nominated as an asset of community value gave enormous confidence and support to to the local community knowing that it gave us a degree of protection I could see that it was of real and genuine value as 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 a concept Um, I'm also aware that we've had a lady who came to visit us a few months ago who opposed putting forward a pub in Elmden, I seem to think, and we we weren't particularly impressed with her arguments, and I think rightly so. And I recall that Samford Parish Council put forward a derelict scout hut as a community asset, um, or an asset of community value, and we didn't think that was a very good idea either, because if if it was that useful, they'd have done something about restoring it and maintaining it. Um, The concept is right, and I listened to Mr. Pugh's comments, and I think that I understand the distinction between um, the council garages uh, and the assets that we have always traditionally agreed are assets of community value. Um, I welcome Councillor Redfern's comments that we still have a number uh, that are vacant, that we have no intentions in Saffron Walden to do any more building it at the current time. And so I shall be supporting the recommendation. Thank you. Any other comments?
8: Could I just just clarify something? uh, Just a legal comment on Councillor Redfern's uh, mentioning uh, the the competing value of garages and housing. I I mean, really, you're not here to make a policy decision about the future uses of the garages. You're here to make a decision on whether they should be listed, and it may or may not be the case that uh, housing is is, is a better thing, but that's not really something that you're here today to decide.
0: Right, uh, no further comments. The recommendation is to agree not to include the following council garage sites on the assets of community value list, but to include in the unsuccessful nomination list, Birdbush Avenue, Hunters Way, Rabinter Road, Brook Avenue, Loon Way, Roundtree Way, Four Acres, Newcroft, Whiteshot Way, Goddard Way, Peaslands Road. Those in favour of that recommendation please show. Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. And and, and thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Wells. Thank you. Uh, Moving on back now to item eight, which is uh, Councillor Howell, the 2016 17 Budget Monitoring Quarter One.
5: Thank you, Leader. Thank you, Councillors. Um, This is my regular quarterly report to Cabinet, and it deals with four items the general fund, the housing revenue account. the the Treasury Management Report and also our Capital Programme. The recommendation is that we note and approve this report. Um, I can go through this in some detail. Uh, I do need to probably talk to some of the headline issues. with, With reference to the General Fund, The headline issue I think I need to flag first and foremost is that we are forecasting a £342,000 overspend for the year through the 31st of March 17 as at the end of quarter one. Of that £342,000, £94,000 relates to services um, that we have effectively under our control, matters that that we have some influence. The remainder... Um, relates to capital financing and corresponding uh, reserves drawdown. There's also an amount relating to increased section 31 grants for business rate relief and the details of that are set out in in the report in some detail. Um, But clearly I'm disappointed to be bringing to this first Cabinet meeting uh, an overspend uh, on the, the service amount, the item 10 in the paper sets out the individual items where there have been key variances, either as an understand or, or an overspend of more than £20,000, um, and Appendix A, as normal, sets out in considerable detail each of the service lines showing you um, spending and the forecast variance for the full year. Um, in view of the fact that we are identifying an overspend within the service um, within the services of of, of roughly £94,000. I've asked uh, management to review with the section heads the forecast budget for the remainder of the year. My expectation is that we will come back next quarter with a budget in line with forecast. Um, But there is detailed narrative to this point under 11 to 13. Moving on, if you don't mind then, to uh, 14. We deal then with the housing revenue account, um, there are some key variances there. Uh, forecast overspend of £69,000, which relates to higher levels of repairs required on existing council house dwellings, uh, and capital funds um, as a result of capital project slippages over the previous year of £1.67 million million. Uh, the capital programme uh, on seventeen is forecasting capital expenditure of eighteen point six million pounds against the original budget of eleven point three seven five million uh, the, the amount of um, seven point two million relates again to slippages carried forward from two thousand fifteen to sixteen and then we deal finally under nineteen through to twenty four uh, with treasury management. Um, it refers to the fact that Brexit... Uh, has had an impact on interest rates. I I personally would say that it's not a consequence of Brexit, it's a consequence of the Bank of England changing interest rates. Um, And I draw reference to the fact that we appear to be globally in a world of negative interest rates. I'm told that Germany, Sweden, Netherlands, Japan, Switzerland all now charge negative interest rates rates for depositing funds. Um, It's clearly a world we're going to have to get used to. because with the exception of the United States, no one else seems to be putting interest rates up. But I am discussing uh, with the management team uh, about a paper, I think at the next Cabinet meeting, about us looking at our Treasury management strategy. Happy to take questions, and the difficult ones I'll refer to to officers.
0: (laughs) Right, thank you. Any comments? Councillor Dean.
2: I, I have a question. In at um, paragraph twelve, it refers back to paragraphs ni- point nine above regarding the uh, three hundred thirty-eight thousand pound overspend, and yet when I get paragraph nine talks about. The £338,000 being made up of £277,000 rural services grant and a transition grant of £61,000. So is this money that the Council is paying out or is it a reduction in our income? I, I can't quite, doesn't doesn't read right to me. Um, Councillor
5: As always, comes up with a really good question. I am going to have to refer it to someone else because I genuinely don't know the answer. Um, I get to grips with the, the service charges but I, I'm slightly uh, I rely on officers when it comes to transfers within reserves and between, in particular, corporate items.
3: Um, it's actually not an overspend. It's £338 of extra funding we've received through the Rural Services Grant and the Transition Grant. So, if, if you, It's part of The funding item, so it's increased our funding, and then obviously we've put that increased funding into reserves. I'm not sure, I couldn't see where it said overspend anywhere. Does that help? We've got. Um,
2: Well, I I now understand (coughs) that it's money coming in. We've had discussions before about money being put into reserves as being classed as expenditure. Um, I, str- I continue to struggle with that concept. If, if I put money in my bank account, I don't consider it I, 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 to have been spent. So, it was, uh, so, going so into I, I don't think She just said it was going into reserves. Yeah, but how does it then become an, an overspend? This is what puzzles me.
1: Can I, can, I or, or can I clarify? If you look at page 25, it's nothing to do... What they've done is the strategic initiative reserves has moved from <laughs> 2369. We've added the 338 there or something to come to 2708 in the Strategic Initiatives Reserves. And then we, have done a, we are predicting a much bigger drawdown on the waste reserve for the domo Depot. So that's where the difference is. If you look at those two lines, then it all makes sense of that lot there. Because we've upped the drawdown on the domo Depot by 888.
2: Right, so some other items that aren't we, yes. obvious so from you, the if, bit if of the report you, you, I was talking if, about. If you
1: up the drawdown on the Donmo depot by eight 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 and then take off the three three eight additional funding, take it off. That is why you've got a five hundred thousand pounds movement.
2: Thank you. Okay. I will look at that offline. Councillor Lodge. Thank you,
9: Chair. This one may be a bit technical as well. It's on PFI, uh, something which constantly grabs my attention, but um, the £85,000, the effect of a reduced payment, which is then possibly going back, is going to reserve and then possibly going back uh, into uh, expenditure effectively could somebody say a word or two on
0: that? It seems a rather weird situation. Probably go straight to Mrs Knight
5: on that. I'm happy to but I would would draw attention to the final line on page 19 under this item which is I understand the bottom line effect of this will be zero but I will allow someone else to explain why that is so.
3: Yes, thank you. Um, The the 85,000 PFI that has been put into reserves is um, increased income we've received through the PFI module within services so we get a profit stroke income from our PFI bought it um, at, in the 1516 statement of accounts it was highlighted as part of the audit that we needed to revisit the model that we're using for the PFI income uh, account because they felt it was slightly offline so we felt with that we ought to put the money in reserves because over the next 2 or 3 years Ernst & Young auditors actually predicted that we could end up with the shortfall that we needed to, to cover so while we're reviewing the PFI model, we're going to put any extra income into reserve to cover any shortfall that might come out.
9: Okay, good. Just so a quick point on that. This, is, is this, this, this seems quite unusual. PFI, you look to a, um, a, a payment out for the, for the facility. So this is, this is a kind of profit-sharing scheme, or profit-sharing on the scheme, is it? Yeah.
3: yeah. Yes. Okay.
0: Thank you. Councillor Barker, did you want
1: to say something? No. Oh, Chairman, I've just made the figures add up. 2271, okay. take off 1468, leaves you 803, add back in 85, you get to 888, which is the increase of the drawdown on the waste reserve.
0: Have a chat with Councillor <laughs> Dean at the end of the meeting. Any other comments? Okay. In which case, uh, the recommendations the Cabinet is recommended to note and approve this report, uh, and we do that. Moving on to item 9, which is the finance update. Also, Councillor Howell,
5: uh, leader, councillors, thank you very much. Um, second paper, I, I've spoken in the past here and at Council, um, I think I've also spoken at the Performance Audit and the Scrutiny Committee about the unprecedented degree of uncertainty around the, the Council's uh, future funding. Um, there are, uh, and this, this paper gives us uh, an update on, on four areas of, of, of this particular uncertainty as they relate to the multi-year settlements. something called... Um, which is called the multi-year settlement, business rates retention, fair funding review, and an update on where we are uh, on the uh, continuing new homes bonus consultation. Uh, The recommendation is quite a long recommendation. I will read it out, and I'll speak to each of the items, if you don't mind. The recommendation is to approve that the Council agrees, in principle, to opt for the multi-year settlement offer, that the section 151 officer in consultation with the Finance Portfolio Holder are asked to prepare the efficiency statement for approval at the October meeting of Cabinets that the section 151 officer in consultation with the Finance Portfolio Holder responds to the business rates of retention consultation and the fair funding review consultation and these takes three little one uh, emphasizing that the council does not agree with removing the national airports from the local list a little too requiring governments to ensure that no council receives less money under the retention scheme than they would have under the current scheme and little three, emphasising that if additional responsibilities are given to councils they should be uh, given additional payments to cover the cost. There is a good deal of narrative on on each of these items within the report. Dealing first with the multi-year settlement um, the government has indicated to us uh, that they are open for applications for a four-year settlement to 2019 uh, 2020, but the deadline for applying for this will be the 14th of October 2016. Um, 2017 18 is, in fact, the final year that Uttlesford receives a revenue support grant, and so officers quite rightly point out that the advantages of the four year settlement are likely to be fairly limited. Nevertheless, uh, and I concede that that is, is a reason for not doing it. But it does, however, give us a degree of certainty about our funding um, at a time when we have so many other areas of uncertainty. And so in that context, I certainly think on balance it would appear prudent uh, for us to consider the multi-year settlement offer. And so that is the recommendation uh, going forward. Um, moving on, um, while I gather my thoughts...
0: Just while you gather your thoughts, can I just ask officers, that uh, because you were content with a multi-year settlement, uh, you you, you put in a proviso which is fair enough, it may not be substantive. Are officers still content with with that proposal? Yes. Yes, we are, Chairman,
10: and indeed today the Government have issued consultation on the 2017-18 finance settlement and they have confirmed that the four-year funding offer will go ahead um, since Uh, some changes that happened in June Um, there's been some debate about everything really that the government has spoken about but they have confirmed today that the four year funding officer will offer will go ahead and we are at the moment uh, satisfied that that's the right route for us we continue to talk to colleagues across the county to make sure that uh, we don't miss anything Councillor
1: Chairman, could I just clarify Um, four years seems to be only three years 17, 18, 18, 19, 19, 20
10: it does. You are right, Councillor Bulger, it does include this year. So this is the first of four years. Okay,
0: carrying on, Councillor Howell, sorry to interrupt you.
5: Thank you very much. And, and listening to, to Mr Webb's comments, um, I'd also emphasise the fact, as set out in the paper, the offer of a four-year settlement is also heavily caveated. It appears to me that the Government, despite what it has said today, if it chooses to at any time over those four years, might decide that it wouldn't be bound by it. And so we do need to remind ourselves of that caveat. Um, One of the requirements, if we are going to go down that route, is to set out an efficiency statement, uh, which will be coming back to Cabinet in October. And the report sets out in 13 and 14 uh, the mechanics of how uh, we would go around preparing such an efficiency statement. So the second item relates to business rates retention. This consultation ends on the 26th of September. So again, um, it's it's something which we have to make a decision fairly swiftly on. Um, And it refers in particular, or rather an area of particular concern to us here in Nuttlesford is uh, around question 19, uh, which is, sorry, question 15, which relates to whether certain types of riskier hereditaments are retained on the local list or the national list? Now, I remember from many, many years ago. Mr. Pugh will correct me, but hereditaments I always thought was an asset that could be inherited. But apparently, in business rates, the world is completely different, and it simply refers to business rate, an asset that is um, that is involved in has business rates attached to it. And there are two categories, as I understand it, a central list, such as power stations, airports, and the like, which are classed nationally, collected nationally and we see nothing of it, or a local list which we would have some responsibility for. There's also some ambiguity within the consultation as to the phrase national airports and whether it relates to the terminal and the runway or general related development around the airport and we need to be very conscious of the fact that um, business rates are going to be an increasingly important part of our income going forward. Having said that, the caveat to that is that most people seem now no longer to, will not be required to pay business rates. So we will find ourselves retire, increasingly reliant on a smaller number of larger contributors and a riskier single contributor, being the airport-related business rates, will be an important component of our future income. So uh, the proposal is that we should indeed um, go back to, um, with a response to the consultation, that we would wish under question 15 to retain the national airport as a local level Asset within the uh, within the gift of all the remit of of Uttlesford District Council. I have a question from Councillor Barker, we should perhaps take that before we move it, on.
1: It, it, it was a point that I thought, but I think I doubt very much we'll be able to retain it. I, mean, I I do feel that they probably want to grab hold of this, but I think it's most important in your response that you limit, if you like, what they take nationally. We don't want to find the Hiltons. Gone on the national list, and our new business park 's gone on the national list, and Kearsley Airways has gone on the national list and, and, and everything else you know if it has to be if anything 's going, the runway and the terminal building fine, but everything else and I, I think you need to word a response as carefully as possible
5: and, and I welcome that, and I think that 's The point that I was trying to make, put rather more eloquently than I managed it. Um, It relates to wider airport-related development rather than just the terminal and the runway. Moving on then to the third item, which is the fair funding review. Uh, This is set out in paragraphs uh, 26 through to 34. Uh, There's a consultation which is being run in parallel with the business rates consultation uh, and it's to do with an assessment of the Council's relative needs and resources. There's a great deal of narrative set out in this, uh, mainly detailed on paragraph 28, section 28. um, And the recommendation uh, is that we retain um, all the business rates uh, that are collected Uh, and that the fair funding review is set in a way uh, that we're not disadvantaged in any way, um, depending on uh, on how it's allocated. And then finally there's a a short update on the new Homes Bonus Consultation, which remains outstanding despite promises that it would be published by June. Uh, It was an area of risk for us because clearly there was within the consultation uh, the possibility of severe penalties to councils who have developments approved on appeal, and there have been to the results of two important appeals since this paper was was published, which, wearing my finance hat alone, and I comment on no other aspects, removes one area of risk for us. And then finally... Although it's not contained in in this uh, paper and it does not relate to us as an organisation, I understand from Mr. Webb that the government has today announced yet another consultation. And this, I understand, is a proposal for the first time that the referendum principle should apply to town and parish councils. um, The criteria being where they have band D charges higher than £75 and um, 46 pence or where the total precept is over £500,000. I understand that if services have been devolved or transferred from another local authority they're not included within that cap but it does mean that Saffron Walden Town Council is I believe under this consultation likely to be included on the refer- under the referendum principle and I understand that Great Dunmo are very close to being included as well. I put that on the table simply as information. It is, it is not related to the item in front of us today, Councillor Barker.
1: Now, Chairman, if I could just ask, um, what does the referendum in principle mean? If they wish to increase their council tax over a certain amount, then they have to go to a referendum? Um,
10: Councillor Barker, though. No. The proposal that's out there at the moment is that they would have the same restrictions as we would have, as uh, so those a shire district, so it would be 2% or £5 whichever is the greater they can go to, so yeah, um, we have, as soon as that came out and we read it today it came out at lunchtime, we read it and um, realised that it affected one and the second is very close, we've contacted both those councils to make them aware of the consultation so they respond accordingly
0: Thank you so, any thank you very much, uh, Councillor Howell. We've taken some questions along the way. Are there any further questions to the recommendations? that I won't reread them because they have been read in full, um, page 37 of the hard copy. Um, any anything else? In which case, um, we are recommended to approve. Um, and I would like to see a those in favour. Carried unanimously. Thank you very much. Item 10, Voluntary Support Grants Committee. Uh, Councillor Wells is on leave, so I'll pick up this item. You'll remember that... um we have discussed uh, recommendations relating to our grant processes uh, and we took that at a previous meeting and one of the recommendations was to establish a committee of the cabinet to review and agree applications for the voluntary sector grants scheme and that's what this very brief paper is all about the recommendation is that the leader of the council, the portfolio holder for communities and partnerships and the portfolio holder for uh, finance and administration form that committee but what I'd be quite happy To add to the recommendation is that the um, the, the, their decisions are brought back to Cabinet for information, not for ratification, but for information. So, one of the things we discussed in July, if you remember, was to get more transparency um, into into the, this process um, and for better understanding of the way that uh, decisions had been reached. So, I would be happy to add that to the recommendation. Any comments, Councillor Dean?
2: Yes, I have to say Chairman, when I read this, I, it did ring slight alarm bells not necessarily about transparency but the fact that you know the cabinet was setting up a committee only of its own members and and not therefore uh, involving any members outside the cabinet i think that might give the you know people may create it may create perceptions um you know, you're talking about handing out relatively large sums of money here and uh, and I think that um, it needs to be seen to be done fairly and and transparently and I think that one way of doing that is to involve members who are not on the cabinet as I can't remember how this particular set of grants was dealt with in the past um, but we, we certainly have had working groups or committees or whatever which, which have been across the council to, to decide grants in the past and, uh, and presumably they have minutes. So I, I, I just add a word of caution here about the pers- wrong perceptions that could be derived from, from too, too close-knit set a, a setup such as is proposed here. Okay,
0: I'll respond, I think Councillor Howell wants to comment as well. Uh, the, the previous arrangements were uh, slightly, clo- well, uh, they were pretty much uh, as here but they weren't as, uh, as, as as open and transparent as we're proposing now. So a small group, all from the administration, uh, would decide on um, uh, which, which, which bodies were, were receiving um, the, the resource uh, application there is a process of applications put in, they were considered by by a small group, particularly by the portfolio holder, something I did myself when I ran that uh, group. So um, the tradition is that it is an administration um, as indeed is uh, uh, the, vo- the vast bulk of expenditure is an administration decision but I think what we want to do here is is, is to have a much wider understanding of where the money has gone and to a certain extent why the money has gone. Councillor Howell.
5: Uh, Um, Yeah, you've You've actually said a number of things I think I was probably going to say. My understanding is that the previous arrangement was not transparent. There was no real scrutiny, no real rigour, and and, uh, I think we probably felt as an administration that that we didn't didn't have sufficient oversight or insight of the grants that were being made. As I understand it, it is an executive responsibility and we're seeking to put in place a mechanism which allows far greater scrutiny and transparency than than was ever the case before. So there is a degree of reportage now, will going forward, on which organisations receive grants and whether they demonstrate value for money, the purpose for which it's being applied, and it allows us to test and assess in public the giving of grants. I would certainly welcome... The views of scrutiny on those decisions because that is what scrutiny is for to look at the actions of the executive and decide that they are satisfied, that, that and being the critical friend. So, there is a purpose here for scrutiny or a role for scrutiny in scrutinizing that decision, but it is not a decision for council, nor is it a decision for other councillors. It is ultimately an executive responsibility.
0: Okay, any other? comments? If not, the recommendation is established as per the recommendations in paragraph nine and, bring
1: the list
0: back to the cabinet. and, and indeed bringing the list back to, to Cabinet for information. Those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously. Item 11 we've already dealt with. Item 12, Scrap Metal Dealers Act 2013. Councillor Barker.
1: Thank you, Chairman. Chairman, three years ago, the Scrap Metal Dealers Act 2013 came into force to tackle a rise in scrap metal thefts and gave this Council the power to administer and enforce the legislation and to set fees on a cost-recovery basis. Almost three years on, it's appropriate for this to be revisited and the charges set to reflect cost-recovery. The proposed revised fees, including renewals, which are required every three years, are set out on page 55 and I would like to propose the two recommendations as set out. Firstly, to note that further to report originally provided to Cabinet, part of the scheme would be funded by licence holders, but that the cost of enforcing unlicensed dealers would be met from existing licensing budgets, and to approve the proposed revisions to the relevant fees and charges, and the operation of the Council's responsibilities under the Scrap Dealers Act 2013. Chairman, this is not my area of expertise, but we do have an officer with us in the audience if there are any questions.
0: Welcome. Um, Any comments? Councillor Howell.
5: Um, Sorry, I don't want to speak on every single item. Um, I I endorse the proposal for fees. What I find so frustrating about this, however, was that it is failing to do what it was, I understand, it was intending to do, which was to ensure that we had far, far greater scrutiny of local scrap metal dealers. I know that here in Uttlesford we do it, and we do it extremely well, we have a programme of ensuring that people have proper licences and they are bona fide scrap metal dealers. But what I find deeply frustrating is that churches continue to have the lead taken from them um, and there clearly are scrap metal dealers in other districts that do not have the same rigour applied. So Radwinter Church suffered a theft I think about six weeks ago yet again and I find it deeply deeply frustrating that a piece of legislation that was supposed to stop once and for all rogue scrap metal dealers is a layer of bureaucracy which we are right to have and yet it does not appear to be applied as well clearly in other areas because somebody is taking lead from churches in Uttlesford going somewhere else and continues to sell them which I find deeply
1: wrong.
0: Is there any benefit, uh, do we think, in contacting our uh, neighbouring councils? Yeah, okay, and then it becomes more difficult. Okay, well with that proviso that um, we can only do what we can do in Uttlesford. are those in favour of the recommendation? Thank you, carried unanimously. Uh, Thank you very much for your time. Item 13 uh, Braintree District Council Local Plan Preferred Options Document June 2016.
1: Thank you Chairman. Um, Chairman Braintree District Council is progressing its local plan and as a neighbouring authority we need to respond to their preferred options document. Our proposed response is attached and has been sent as a holding response ahead of this meeting. Braintree is planning for a higher level of growth than Uttlesford with a requirement for around 845 houses a year. They have allocated around 4,000 homes so far, and this preferred options document looks to allocate the remaining 10,000 in two garden settlements, as well as 4,000 in Braintree, 2,000 in Witham and the 812 corridor, and 500 in Halstead. Our response acknowledges that both districts are looking to address their own objectively assessed needs for housing and employment growth. It acknowledges the joint strategic approach of the three North Essex LPAs, namely Braintree, Tendring and Colchester, Acknowledges that there is a proposed strategic location on the border of the Braintree and Uttlesford districts with the opportunity for a new settlement, but that Uttlesford has not yet made a decision on this or any other garden settlement site. Chairman, the recommendations are rather long, but I will read them out. They are that the Cabinet approves the comments on Braintree District Council preferred options document as set out in Appendix 1 of this report and summarised below. It should be emphasised that Uttlesford District Council has yet to make any decision on its own preferred option regarding allocations or new settlements at this stage. Uttlesford District Council continues to plan to meet its full objectively assessed housing need and so welcomes Braintree District Council's commitment to fully meet its own housing needs. Acknowledging that the joint strategic approach of the North Essex Local Planning Authorities, North Essex Part 1, is helping in dealing with cross-boundary issues and positively planning the scale and distribution of growth acknowledge that garden cities are put forward as part of a wider housing allocation strategy needed for sustainable social and economic benefits acknowledge a proposed strategic location with the opportunity for a coterminous new settlement between braintree and Uttlesford districts Uttlesford district council would continue to liaise closely with braintree district council regarding considering evidence assessing reasonable growth options and impacts planning for growth assisting Braintree District Council positively plan its preferred option, a joint position with Braintree District Council regarding planned growth, Uttlesford District Council notes the opportunity regarding a master plan framework, if applicable, to be prepared jointly between Braintree District Council and Uttlesford District Council. Uttlesford District Council welcomes the inclusion of proposed sustainable principles, mechanisms in the plan to support sustainable growth. I so propose, Chairman.
2: Thank you. Any comments? Councillor Dean? As you know, Chairman, at the um, two meetings back of the policy planning, planning Policy Working Group, 23rd of August, I made quite a fuss about this letter, which has since been redrafted, I'm pleased to say, at least at the beginning, because it, it read very much as um, uh, almost a, a welcoming letter to development across our district boundaries, and of course, at that time, and and still we haven't made a decision on where this council wishes to um, place its housing. There was lost in the text somewhere way down in the letter a statement, which actually was to that that effect that this council hasn't decided. It is now effectively the first main paragraph, and it is spelled out quite clearly that this council hasn't made that decision and therefore I think um, that is a a big improvement or an important improvement um, uh, and I welcome that change. Good. Thank you.
0: I'm getting nods. So, um, those in favour of the recommendation? Carried unanimously. Thank you. Um, Item 14, the Great Dunmone Neighbourhood Plan examiner's report. Councillor Barker.
1: Thank you, Chairman, again. Um, Chairman, I am delighted to present the Inspector's findings on the examination of Dumbo's neighbourhood plan. Um, I have read it, all 145 pages, and as the County Councillor for Dumbo and a local resident, I must acknowledge the enormous amount of work that's gone into this plan over a number of years by the team involved. The plan, as I say, runs to 145 pages, it's incredibly detailed, and it embraces future growth of the town while seeking to protect historic elements and views, protect woodlands and wildlife corridors. It examines education and health facility provision, as well as sport and leisure opportunities. This is the first neighbourhood plan in Uttlesford to get to this stage, and the inspector is mainly complimentary about the plan and the way that the consultation has been carried out. I was certainly impressed by the professionalism of the exhibition that I attended. A young man called Daniel Bacon did a lot of work on this, and I believe he's now moved on to Thaxter to help them with their neighbourhood plan, and he's enjoying that because I bumped into him the other day. The team is now actively working towards a yes vote, with leaflets being distributed at many opportunities in Dunmo. The inspector's comments relate mainly to maps and their scale and the keys on those maps. I'd ask for these to be reviewed so that they're more consistent. Um, he finds the scales are different, different to sort of get your head round when they're all different shapes and sizes. He also makes comments about some of the projected numbers of housing. I'd ask for the words a minimum of to be inserted in some instances. Further recommendations include the inclusion of a small area of land off Ongar Road within the town development area and some changes to policies which conflict where a site has been put forward both as an important green space but also as a potential site for car parks, sorry a coach park. There are many other recommendations which are all of a very minor nature and they have all been discussed with and agreed by the neighbourhood team. Chairman, I propose the recommendation that cabinet accepts and endorses the proposed changes to the neighbourhood plan as set out in the examiner's report and supports the plan to go forward to recommendation, to to referendum, sorry.
0: Well, I'd like to add my congratulations to Great Dunmore. I I, I think they've just done a fantastic job. It is a a very detailed, interesting uh, plan uh, that clearly a huge amount of work has gone into and, um, you know, for the people of Great dummies decide if they're happy, but if the um, hopefully there's been enough um, soundings taken as they progress this plan, that uh, they do uh, that they you know what they're proposing is broadly uh, what the community want. And the other thing I think, you, you, you know, we as a council should um, support Dunmo because the purpose of a neighbourhood plan is that uh, you're looking into all aspects. So they, they refer a lot to um, sport, uh, leisure, uh, employment, uh, facilities, um, cycle paths and so on and so forth. So I think, you know, we need to build that into our plans to make uh, the neighbourhood plan come alive if, it, if indeed it is um uh, supported by the community. So, open to the floor. You're obviously all very impressed with the plan.
5: Uh, leader, I, I wouldn't wish to for this to be uh, uh, voted on without other councillors speaking, because I, I do think this is a fantastic piece of work. I, um, I am greatly more informed about Great Dunmo than I was when I started reading this. I, I thought I knew the town fairly well, having lived in the area for 20 years. But I consider now, great. it is a fantastic piece of work, an enormous amount of work has gone into it, and I endorse your comments. I hope very much that the community will give it the support. It is an important part of of sounding out the views of the local community. It fits fits within the jigsaw of what we are trying to do across the district. It is an important component of ensuring the community are engaged and involved in that process, so I certainly endorse it.
4: Um, I too would like to um, congratulate Dunmo on this because being involved in the um, neighbourhood plan in uh, the Chesterfords and how much work it is, I th- it, is quite a, it is a very daunting task and I think that's clear by the fact that this is just the first one that we've got when you think what a uh, wide district we are so I understand there's lots of other documents coming forward now but um, we'll all be hot on the heels of Dunmo, I hope.
0: So, they proved it can be done. Sorry that nobody from Dumbo is here. I can't see anybody, um, because it would be nice to pass on our congratulation to them, but obviously they've still got to take the vote. But um, Okay, uh, those in favour of the recommendation that Cabinet accepts and endorse the proposed changes to the neighbourhood plan as set out in the examiner's report and supports the plan to go forward to referendum. Carried unanimously. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, item 15. uh, Car Parking Incentives Christmas and New Year 2016 Councillor Barker
1: Thank you Chairman Um, Chairman over the last few years we have sought to assist our shopping centres with an offer of free parking in the run up to the Christmas period Um, earlier this year we decided to engage with the Town and Parish Council and the Town Teams to see what they thought would help to promote the offer in their Town Centres meetings were held and the teams provided with data showing the car park usage the three centres were asked for proposals in light of that data and ideas about parking and about other issues were discussed. We had hoped that the teams would come back with ideas about promoting the centres, such as assistance with advertising, articles in Uttlesford Life, and, and so on, but the only proposals received back were for free parking. The total costs of what was initially requested ran to around £80,000. Officers discussed the proposals with the North Essex Parking Partnership and the conclusion was that the reprogramming of 22 machines with a plethora of different schemes would be a mammoth task and actually might indeed cause the machines to fail. Um, The machines are not in their first flush and uh, there was no guarantee from the parking partnership that reprogramming these machines with complex schemes would actually work. So unfortunately we we did have a meeting um, 10 days ago with Um, representatives from the three centres. Unfortunately, Saffron-Walder did not turn up, Dumbo did not turn up, but we did have a representative from Stansted. Councillor Allen Dee was there, but actually Catherine Dean came along. Um, We did discuss with her the reasons why we could not go ahead with the specific request they had made, Um, and we are just proposing, therefore, to offer a single-free car parking in all car parks, apart from the Fairycroft Waitrose car park, um after two o'clock from the first to the twenty-fourth of December and free all day parking from January, from December the twenty-fifth to January the second. Chairman, we will meet again with the teams in the new year for further discussions. Um, what we were very keen to do, we have a sort of budget. We think in past years this may have cost us twenty, twenty five thousand. That's the sort of figure we had in mind. We know that the car parks are mainly full. We want to be attracting people in, you know, for events and for special things. And to get even more in, but um, you know, there were some proposals put forward. There was a proposal for free all-day parking on one day a week in the Rosetown car park in Saffron Walden. We felt that you'd have a market square effect, that people would just go round looking for a space. We felt that it would be bunged up with shopkeepers who got in there at ten to nine and stayed all day. Um, we, we are keen to work with the towns, but we do need them to sort of come up with with more exciting initiatives that we can help them to promote the towns. Chairman, So the recommendations are to introduce free after, after 2 p.m. on all council-managed car parks, except Ferrycroft, Waitrose, from Thursday, the 1st of December, to Saturday, the 24th of December, and to introduce free car parking on all council-managed car parks, except Ferrycroft, from Sunday, the 25th of December, to Monday, the 2nd of January, as well to support a marketing campaign. And thirdly, to carry out a review of all options for car parking incentives that might operate throughout the calendar year for consideration by Cabinet to feed into the budget preparation for 2018-19. I so propose, Chairman.
0: Thank you very much indeed. Any comment, Councillor Redfern.
4: Thank you, um, Chairman. Um, I would just like to apologise if you had a meeting and someone from the, particularly the Saffron Walden Town team didn't turn up, but I can tell you that these... Um, this information was taken to the Saffron Morton town team because I am a member of that and Simon Jackson and I both um, discussed this and actually um, the town team in Saffron Morton do appreciate um, the, the, the complications of what was being asked for um, and understand why we've gone to, to this um, plan for this year and they're very grateful as well that we've increased it by an extra... Hour in the afternoons, um, and they w- I, I, and they have commented on several occasions that they're so pleased that actually they feel like um, Uttoxeter District Council is listening is listening to them and taking car parking seriously. So um, I'm sorry that they weren't there to um, talk to you, Sue, but um, I can assure you it is very much appreciated what this council is trying to do.
0: Councillor Lodge.
9: Just, just quickly, what's the logic behind excluding uh, Waitrose?
1: Waitrose um, own the car park. I mean, there is a profit share agreement, and Waitrose will not agree to any concessions. They lose revenue. Uh,
0: yeah, All right. So we, we we would have supported that absolutely. I purely, we We would. We would you know, it would have been a, d- d- along with. All the rest of the car parks, absolutely. The only reason is that we don't have full ownership of that car park, so we can't pull all the strings, unfortunately. But that's been the case, uh, Councillor Lodge, for the last two or three years, It's that they've been the exception to the rule.
2: They may. Councillor Dean. I find that discussion about car parks, um, and I've said this before, it sits along discussion about babies. People get very emotive about... um, their just as much as they get emotional about babies um, and so there's no so often no no logic behind it and part of the reason for there being no logic is that more often than not, the discussion is based on absence of any evidence, any information to tell them what goes on in car parks. you know that that charging is that charging for car parks is not just about this council trying to fill its coffers, even though Councillor Howell loves that um, it's about demand management in part um, and therefore, I think that if we're going out to whoever it is, whether it's uh, town centre groups, whether it's town and parish councils, we should give them some information about how how the use how the usage is at the moment, and that of course requires the I think, no, it's part partnership to do, deliver that information so that so that people understand the impact or the likely impact of changing things. I mean, there was this recent dis- discussion about numbers of hours on the common, which I think was probably concluded more on uh, emotion than on rationality but no it's uh, it was uh, concluded on statistics actually what well, it was on statistics was it okay but uh, you know i think i th- i just think that, that that i think that that's important and uh, because people need to understand in particular the demand management thing because there's no point giving a free car park such as it fills up all day long you know with and there's no turnover and there's Councillor Barker says, people don't know, or somebody said, cars just go round and round in circles trying to find this free space, and it's being hogged by people all day, so so that needs to be part of the debate, that's all I'm saying. As with everything else we do, it needs to be evidence-led.
0: I t- we totally agree. There is a lot of information about car parking habits um, and NEP have provided those uh, and some of them are actually contained in this report as you will have read. Um, so, uh, and as you rightly say, why would you make something free uh, at its peak demand? It would be a- and of course it's filled all day with those people who aren't necessarily going to be doing any shopping because they're working in the town. So you do have to an- an- analyse a little bit. Councillor Redfern, you wanted to comment?
4: Um, well, only to only to say that um, Linda Howes has been doing an awful lot of work on um, getting the information from NEP. I, I understand from her that they've been very, very helpful, and she's done a lot of work to get the evidence because we haven't always had that evidence before, and it has highlighted a few things, uh, a few anomalies with different machines and things, but I think once we get through this, this and these machines sorted out that we will have a lot better information to make these sort of decisions going forward so don't think you know she's done a massive amount of work
0: good any other comments Uh, you've had the recommendations read out to you Um, so those in favour thank you very much indeed Uh, taking us on to item 16 the air quality action plan
1: Me again, Chairman, I'm afraid. Um, Chairman, I would like to thank the officers for their work in this very emotive area. You will be aware that we now have one air quality management area covering an area in the centre of Saffron Walden. This is a circle of some 1,400 metres in diameter centred on Elm Grove, which I reckon equates to around 1.5 million square metres. Within this area, there are four junctions where there have been exceedances to the national objectives in recent years. Although in 2015, only two two locations marginally exceeded the objectives, as shown in the table on page 369. Chairman, there are 22 recommendations in the report, and while endorsing all of these, I would like to point out the marked differences to the responses to a number of proposals, depending on whether the responses were via the online reporting system or the citizens panel. To give an example, Proposal 7 is to work with Essex County Council highways on a scheme of measures aimed at improving junction capacity as part of the local plan once adopted. The citizens panel were 83% in favour of this, with 6 against, whereas the online respondents voted 65% against, with only 32% in favour. Proposals 8 and 9 similarly look for changes to road layout and parking, and the citizens panel again endorsed these strongly, but the online group comes out heavily against them. Chairman, this is an action plan, and I propose its adoption, but I would stress that it must be acted on. Uttelstead Council must lead the way by actively promoting car sharing, by introducing electric charging points, perhaps we could start with one of the Council offices, by looking at opportunities for development to promote walking and cycling, and by working with Essex County Council to improve traffic flow in the town, for actively looking at ways to allow staff to work at home more often. Chairman, I would ask that the report comes back to Cabinet in a year with details of what has been achieved, and I propose that the action plan be adopted.
0: Okay. Thank you. Before I throw it open, um, I've just uh, spoken with the Chief Executive and uh, like you, there's no point in having 22 recommendations if you don't do something about them, so now that we've refined the art of project planning, um, I think it would be good that we had a plan for uh, these 22 recommendations and on a very much a cross-party basis uh, worked our way through to making sure that we were making progress on each of them. Uh, so I think the Chief Executive fully endorses that. Okay, open to the floor. Councillor Lodge. Uh,
9: thank you Mr Chairman. I, I don't want to be unduly negative about this but because I think it's a, it's, it's a good start. Um, it's a bit cut and paste if you do go into detail, you see it's talking about years 2014 and 2015 as though they're in the future. So um, it does lack a bit of, a, a bit of integrity there. And um, over and above that, and I'll, actually I'll just, just give a, a couple of more detail points. For example, there's um, ENV13 is mentioned, the air quality development management policy. Um in fact, that, that is probably not what is going to be the latest uh, up-to-date uh, DM policy in that um, in the workshops we've, we've discussed that and we've looked at it. It specifically mentions users of developments, which are residents in the developments. But what we've got to be careful about is that um, it may be generating air quality issues outside of those specific developments. And it, in fact, in fact does. So this is all sort of building up the... Um, the picture that I feel that is premature and then we come to today's management, uh, sorry, today, today's uh, change which I, I don't know who if anyone was going to particularly speak to that but what was happening was that as of nine o'clock this morning um, it, it was admitted that, that the plan was misleading um, I could go into some detail but I don't necessarily have to but I hope I'm, I'm painting a picture of, of some of the problems and what, and what I'd like to do is to ask Cabinet to um, defer the approval of this until some further work is is done on it. Um, if I could then just look at, at, at the bigger picture I think that a, an action plan should have a significant number of quantifiable actions which then have measurable outcomes and we have a plan for measuring them. I'm afraid this, this plan really fails to do that Um, I think one of the things that we should be looking at and this is particularly um, relevant to what's going on in in, in the planning policy working group with possible new um, traffic plans that we will have for the town and and, and what we should be doing sorry, what I think we should be doing is looking at the effects we're going to have with development in the town which is already underway um, which is um, currently approved and which uh, was put down as worthy for consideration for the town to to look at in, in the new plan. Um, they add up to, I, I made it 1,645 so if, 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 if those are built in Saffron in Wall in, in the coming years um, whilst we have these marginal exceedances at the moment it, it needs an incredibly tough plan that's going to, that's going to absorb what is around about a quarter of increase of, of, of homes in the town and there is no consideration of this whatsoever in the plan so uh, a heartfelt plea I know, I know, I know that um, tra- traditionally uh, motions to, to, to this meeting are uh, uh, voted through unanimously I would ask you to think very carefully about this that it isn't it really really is not fit for purpose and I would, I would like. You talked about some cross-party work. And maybe there's scope some cross-party work too, uh, to try and get this right now.
0: Well, uh, Councillor Parker wishes to come in, but um, you know, notwithstanding your points about uh, maybe some typographical uh, errors. Um, this is a fairly comprehensive piece of work, and I, you know, I read the recommendations really carefully, as I'm sure you did. And, and, and Councillor Barker emphasised the point that there's no point in just writing them down. Okay, they could have been elaborated with action plans. I don't think that was actually the purpose of this report, um, but. Um, as you know, I, I, I personally um, am very keen that uh, these types of recommendations are followed through, because, which is why I set up the Saffron Walden Highways Group, and that links as well through to air quality. So we're already on a number of them underway, but uh, uh, we need to see progress on each of these recommendations or... You know if we come back to cabinet and say some of them aren't appropriate but I, I have to say when i read them i didn't think they were not appropriate so i don't think we need to delay the process and clearly it needs to fit into the local plan we understand that but you know the horse has got to get slightly in front of the cart on this because we haven't got the proposal yet uh, and then when we do then all the mitigation and the action that needs to follow that obviously would fall into place councillor barker
1: Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, sorry, I did forget that we had a suggested amendment to remove a line from the um, bottom of page 345, and this is to do with the references to improvements uh, with the introduction of Euro 6 or what, 6 compliant vehicles, uh, because I understand that these um, Euro 6 compliant vehicles have not yet delivered the expected reduction in emissions. Um, and I've got no problem. So we're moving the line as emissions improve with the introduction of Euro 6 compliant vehicles. That line comes out and I'm quite happy with that amendment, Chairman. Um, Regarding um, sort of this plan isn't quite right. This uh, this plan is a start. It's a refresh on where we were. Um, I think we should adopt this plan and if there are particular actions or that appear to be missing or that are not strong enough then we were quite happy to re- receive representations and if appropriate to add those into the plan
0: and i'd also just add to my point about the the actions i think it um, it's something that at the leaders meeting that we could discuss in terms of how we're we going to make sure that these actions are followed through so I'm quite you know on a cross party basis in terms of um, because it, it you know it, i've said it three times i'll say it one one more time but it's absolutely essential that these actions are seen through um, because they're all things that we've talked about. They're all perfectly legitimate things. Um, and um, so, yeah, okay. Councillor Redfern and then Councillor Dean.
4: Sorry, yes, there's just... Well, I'm, I, I totally agree that we should be following up on all these action plans. And I'm the bit I'm most excited about for me as the representative of the Chesterfords is the bit about the... Um, cycle paths, because, as you know, um, Councillor Rolfe, we get continual emails from a very, very excited person in my village who is absolutely desperate to get um, more cycling going, particularly this one that we're talking here about, linking Cambridge to um, Saffron Walden. So I think that action plan should be moved up the list, and then it would make my life a lot quieter.
0: Yeah, and... um what we do, can't do is, 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 is to promise things that are going to cost in, in some cases uh, many hundreds of thousands of pounds but certainly within Saffron Walden as we uh, remodel it uh, we should be looking to increase cycling and, and all forms of um, uh, non-carbon producing um, transport but uh, yeah, we, we have a strategy for, for uh, cycle paths and we will continue to work our way through that. Councillor Howell did you wish to speak? you did not. If there are no other,
2: Councillor Dean. Thank you, Chairman. Yeah, I just remembered that the um, scrutiny committee did look at a previous incarnation of this plan, I don't know, um, more than 12 months ago, I can't remember when it was. Um, and I think we came out by saying that the action plan should be smart in, in particular that it should be specific and timely and it was going to be measurable so we would know when we got there. Um, I haven't had chance to look at this one. I will confess I was away until last night. Um, but, but just as an example, it says here to develop new policies where needed. Um, that's not very specific. Um, so how will we know? when we've done it if we don't even know at this stage whether what's needed and therefore what we're going to do. So I just, I just raise that as, a, as an example that jumped out at me. Which one? Uh, which recommendation? Well, it, it's on page 355. Or 27, depending on. So which recommendation is it? N- number one at the top of the page. And I may, I may not have chosen a good example, but number one at on the top of the page says to develop new policies where needed. Mm. Uh, I mean, all I'm saying is, I would have thought that if there's an action plan, you know what it is you're going to do, rather than that you go. You've got to de- somebody's got to decide what. Yeah, to I do. mean, you, then, you, you, you have you might, obviously picked you on, on, on the generic one with the with the local plan. Yeah,
0: but, uh, yeah, but they all they all need to be smart. We're,
2: we understand that. Yeah. So, I mean, it may well be that we ought to call it back into scrutiny at some stage and see what we think of it again. I will think about that. Good. Well, you have had the recommendation
0: uh, put to you, those in favour? Thank you very much indeed, unanimous. Uh, Equality scheme, we have referred to this already this evening.
1: Thank you, Chairman. Um, Chairman, this council is actively working towards achieving, sorry, towards the achieving level of the equality framework for local government, and this report today updates the equality objectives that were agreed in 2012. Chairman, the objectives are set out there. I think there is probably a lot more behind that. I mean, just saying we will carry out equality impact assessments. We've seen the size of some of these equality impact assessments when items come to Cabinet. It's not a a five-minute job. Um, We are talking about uh, caravan sites assessments regards to the need of gypsies and travellers, regards to the needs of vulnerable people, um, the local council tax support scheme, um, making sure that we address... um, sort of the more vulnerable groups whenever we we take actions at this council. Um, I would like to endorse the proposals in the revised draft scheme, but I would also like to request that member training is organised in order that members fully understand their responsibilities in in respect of equality. And I am happy to answer any questions, but the recommendation is that the draft revised equality scheme is approved for the purposes of consultation and for use on an interim basis.
0: Thank you, Uh, and I am encouraged that uh, the revised uh, scheme does go into quite a bit more detail and it also links through to um, our um, core objectives as as a council, so um, I I think this is an improvement actually on where we were, uh, but open to comment. No? In which case, uh, i put the recommendation that the revised equality scheme is approved for the purposes of consultation and used on an interim interim basis. Those in favour? Thank you. Carried unanimously.
5: Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.
7: Please hold
3: your meeting.